is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that can feel the force with our outstretched hands like it was a stick touching our fingertips. On today's episode, we fill in a blind spot with the help of Dr. Bridget Brogan, BS. As our patient, Emilia, completes the second to last of her Star Wars sessions with Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And if that wasn't exciting enough, we play another round of a game we like to call Reverse, where we take an old movie and recast it with actors following whatever rules and guidelines are provided. But before we do, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Bridget. I'm Lucas. And I'm Emilia. And this is still not the verse news, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, pop culture, and yada, yada, yada. But not today. We love the news, but lately we've been dealing with some bizarre disruptions in our showtime continuum. We might be hitting a cosmic radiation field or something like that. Anyway, we're postponing the news for the time being. Yeah, something funky is definitely going on here. And speaking of hearing, uh, I keep getting this odd ringing sound in my left ear. Ugh, I hate to say it, but our recent financial troubles are probably somehow connected to all of this. Uh, I don't know. Seems like something else might be the cause. Well, if it is our finances, then I'm going to correct that problem once and for all. What are you thinking? Can I help? You know what? Thanks, Emilia. I appreciate the offer, but I think we have, I mean, I think I have this covered. Okay. Well, should we start the show? My blind spot is not getting any better just sitting here. You mean... The Verse Squad Blind Spot! I'm back, Dr. Bridget Brogan, BS. Uh, the BS stands for Blind Spot. Sure it does. Way. Not all it stands for. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Bullshit! <laughs> hey, Doc. Let's do this thing. Sure thing. But first, quick reminder. Be sure to update your insurance information at the front desk before you leave. For those who do not know, this segment where we watch a film or series that one of the squad has missed in order to erase this blind spot forever. And for Emilia, this has been Star Wars in its entirety. It's true. She had not watched a single yes. Star Wars until we started her on this journey. And now she's seen eight Star Wars. At what cost? <laughs> the cost of your soul, it, it seems. But today we clear the last two films from the saga. The Last Jedi... Wait, the last two films? We clear one of the, the last, to last two films. Okay, today we clear one of the last two films from the saga, The Last Jedi. So as you know, Emilia, it is up to you to tell us what happened in this film. You have to give your synopsis in your own words. Be oh, brief, right. but be interesting. So it honestly, the opening crawl reminded me a lot of episode four's opening crawl because here we are at the last rebel outpost. It's under attack by the, not the Empire, but the... The Empire. First, <laughs> first but order. basically the Empire. The first order. Leia's at the helm. Empire light, yeah. 
Empire Light proxy, whatever is coming for them. And they have to survive. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they go and they're like, we got to get people to help. We're going to try and get Luke. And uh, I think that's I think that's that sets the scene. You're right. It's a pretty straightforward narrative, really. I mean, it's just like we're fleeing and then we're stuck and then we get away. I do appreciate that. It's it's uh it's a tight plot. I, I like it when plots don't try to do too much. Mm-hmm. So this was yeah, long. So Amalia, compared to the first film of this trilogy that you saw, what did you think of the direction of this one? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Or were you like, nah, man? This feels like a test. <laughs> um, I actually, I think I liked the first one more. Because this was like, it was fine. Um, but it wasn't like offensive. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> Is that your bar? <laughs> well, it wasn't, I, like, I didn't dislike it, but I think I was it like, it's a bit long for what it is. And it's a bit like, I just feel like there was more levity a little in the first one. Um, we got to play with some other characters a little more. And um, this one just felt like there, there wasn't as much going on, which in this case was not a good thing, I guess. And then I have some like things I disliked that I can get into later. <laughs> Ooh, excited for those. Well, what I would want to know is after seeing The Force Awakens, you had very distinct, clear and favorite characters. Did your favorite can characters you stay true? Yeah. Remind us who those were and did it stay true for this movie? Was, was it was it Poe and Finn? Yes. <laughs> yes, they, that was consistent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you still enjoy the bromance? Very much so. And I and I don't understand why they're relegating it to a bromance. They have the most chemistry and like they're just trying to start some stuff with other characters and i'm just like eh. you know it's not there what did you feel about um the actual romance in this one uh mr i kill my dad and try to murder my mom and then now you want to hook up with me guy what's his name kylo uh, ren kylo ren okay oh yeah i just always think of him as a adam driver Darth emo oh. it, was there a romantic plot with him no no <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't it so, come on they're all one. like they're totally like I can hear feel your presence. You're in the room. They with me. they yeah. put There's Adam tension. Driver up there shirtless, and shirtless they have a with his pants weird, hiked to his yeah. nipples. Yeah. Oh, I did not. That was I went uh, over my head. I... <laughs> okay, I was I, I'm gonna the rule the universe with him, no, man. I'm I'm gonna you... defend Emilia in this because I also after seeing this film thought there was tension, but sexual tension was not not up there. It was not. I'm not saying it works. Listen, Clear. you do not start trying to conquer the galaxy on a first date. I don't believe in that. But I did think there was some actual, like, you know, relationship vibes coming off of it. That's all I'll I say. got, like, sibling vibes. You don't vibes. try to rescue somebody. 
Is that weird? <laughs> that was also my impression. No, uh, if the I'm track record of Star Wars, they're kind of the same. No, person. no. What I got, the vibe I got from it was these two grew up together their whole entire lives and they just hit puberty and one's discovering like, oh, I actually like the look of that, but I don't like the look of that on him type thing. Or Dude, I liked I it her, That's but weird. she's okay. not exactly yeah. my type type thing. Okay. I just, let's let's just see. Emily, what did you think of that relationship, <clears throat> whether you want to call it a relationship or not? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's supposed to be a really important one. It's setting up this weird, like, tense rivalry, arch nemesis face-off thing that I can see coming to a head in the third movie. But I'm also just like, I don't know, I'm not super invested in it. Like, I like them both separately, but somehow them together, it's like... They both know. can do better. <laughs> it's just kind of like... Yeah, like, even in terms of arch nemeses... <laughs> Well, let's That's focus fair. on the positive. I, uh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, what were your favorite moments? <laughs> Anything that actually stood out where you enjoyed it, you laughed, you cried, whatever it was. Like, any moments that really stuck out in your mind? Um, I thought that the Vegas planet um, was really cool. I mean, I know that it represents, like, slavery and all the bad things but and like uh weapons merchandising and stuff but mm-hmm. it was cool looking <laughs> and they played the cantina theme which i appreciated um i liked i really liked ray's training montage with luke mm-hmm. she had a great outfit um and then she had like this whole thing with the caretakers where she was just. She was like pulling baby they Grogu, her, you know. And then right? she almost took out that just one caretaker's. Menace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she took out those like I was expecting <laughs> one of the caretakers just be like my cabbages. The um, dang but... avatar <laughs> strikes again. <laughs> and um, I liked the mm-hmm. the red motif that they were going with. It was really artistic and cool looking. The, like they, they, they had the handmaids yes. that we saw in we, Mandalorian. We also saw it in the uh, Red Throne Room. Episode we six. We did? Throne Room. The Emperor, yeah. Oh, I guess we did briefly, yeah, yeah. yeah. He dismisses them. They walk out. Oh. Um, the Red Room that looks like it's from a music video and the, um, the Red Planet, the salty Red Planet mm-hmm. that when they walk on it, it's red. So, uh, but I think that my, but I think my favorite scene was the, was the ultra wealthy planet casino place and the little heist that they pulled where they broke out the, the horse goats, mm-hmm. fad- oh, fadiers. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, something sure. like that. The, the horse giant goat. horse goats. <laughs> they're like 10 times, yeah, they're, they're like very... double the size of a Clydesdale, man. Um, so that's, that's valid. Um, what did you think uh, on the take of a grungy, just like kind of rotten Luke compared to what you got in the original trilogy? Like we're talking like 180 character He's, character he's slurping blue milk from the breasts of I think that was green milk, buddy. I think that was green milk. Get your milks right. <laughs> yeah, they are different. Oh, are they different? Yes. <laughs> oh. Boy. Um... I okay. Well, I didn't like that part, but I liked it overall. <laughs> yeah, like I like this take on. Luke. Thank you for he's, saying that. He's sad. Um, I also, yeah. See, look at I uh, had the blue milk. 
Blue milk, though. Oh, blue what milk. is it, what it's is Disney it? Like, product. Is it well, <laughs> this was a this was a rum slushy, personally. That nice. that oh, okay. that Disney markets. <laughs> you as didn't blue take milk. that from my rum stash, did you? Uh, <laughs> Caught red-handed. I you you cannot mix Disney I, products with my rum stash. I, the universe may collapse I in on itself. I will not confirm or deny. It could cause a singularity. What are you doing, woman? I'm going to go check in a minute, but I trust you if you say no. I'm not going to have to check, but I'll probably still check. <laughs> um, but yeah, I liked this version of Luke. Uh, I was actually going to point out the the milk scene because that was like one of those things where I was like, this is another case of George the George Lucas machine answering questions. <laughs> Where did the blue asked. milk come from? Or, or in this case, green milk. So maybe the blue milk's pasteurized. Well, yeah. also, just I remember first watching that scene and like when Luke just like stares straight at Ray when he just like guzzles it back. Yeah, he just stares her down. It's just hilarious. Entire um, soul. <laughs> what I do, this is probably what I'm been most excited to ask you, Amalia. What did you think of the Porgs? Oh, the yeah, yeah, exactly. like the fuzzy puffin. Talk things. about merchandising. No, no, BK no. Baby Grogu. No, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Porgs, down, Norm. The Porgs were not a merchandising what? choice. The land, the island that they filmed on was covered in puffins, and oh they, yes, yeah, they were puffins. Yes. They had to get they, rid yes. of them because puffins. the team felt that it grounded it too much in Earth. So they had to change them into what became the Porgs. Yeah, to, to get rid of them completely was too much work. So they're like, we'll just keep them in. We'll just like digitally enhance them into Porgs. Is that actually a really genius yeah. idea? Well, so and let me you're advance right, this. Bridget, crass merchandising. Right. Yeah. I know, and I and I know that that's the story of where the Porgs came from. But I will tell you, when I, I I'll have a story about this film in a little bit. But the Porgs were talk about Disney. Everywhere in Disney World. Sure. And I oh, mean okay. everywhere. Oh, but they have salacious crumb everywhere at Disney, too. What? Okay, that? yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. You fork o- fork over your Star Wars card <laughs> fan card right now. Fork it over. If you know who Salacious Crumb is, get out the door. I have a hint for you. He really likes big fat worms and likes to sit by them. Was that who was that played by? Was that that, that wasn't Warwick Davis. No, one. that's that that's just that's just a No, I don't think it's anybody. It just laughed too. It was just like some Lucas. It's probably Frank Oz. Frank Oz, probably. <laughs> yeah, it is probably Frank Oz. Wow, look it up, Bridget. And you're Wait, gonna be like Speaking of Frank Oz. Speaking oh of God, Frank Oz. Oh, oh right. It's <laughs> one of those janky no, aliens. Like Yoda, <laughs> what is about Yoda in this who makes a little guest <laughs> appearance? Yeah. And he's all goofy as heck. He's, he's more he's Kermit drunk. the Frog in hit, this than uh, than he hit, my, he hit my rum stash before he showed up for this job. Well, they went back to original. They went back to original puppet Yoda yeah. versus the CGI one that they used in the prequels. I I liked this Yoda because it was like you know mm-hmm. Yoda's dead and like you know death changes you, so it makes sense that he'd be yeah. like a little different <laughs> in the afterworld. Everything you're cheerier. describing, Emily, is why this movie has grown in my esteem. I actually really like this one because I think it is a different take. It, it Part of the theme is, remember Luke's all like surly and pissed off and he's like, 
who cares about the Jedi? All this like philosophy he's spouting, I agree with. I'm like, I'm there too, Matt. I feel like I'm Luke now in my journey with Star Wars. I'm just grizzled and old and like, can you just burn the rest of it down and start again? Burn it all. So yeah. Yeah. From Lucas yeah, to Matt, Luke. my namesake. Yeah, so I, I generally liked Luke, um, and I, I liked the um arc that he had to go through. Uh I but I don't understand. So at the end, he helps out with their mm. final face-off with the not Empire, and he like goes in and hologram he force projects and, and like yeah. tricks them and and right, and he like buys them all this time so that the rebels can escape. Um, and then he just dies. The old ticker gave out. So there's an interesting <laughs> theory online about this particular um, incident. The idea that of the force projection, while it is a Jedi power, it actually taps into more of the dark side Mm. of the force. And because of that, and the battle that he has to do between the two and projecting it over such a vast um, space, like, yeah, over light years, is what like deteriorates his body. And he. Oh, Norm just force projected himself somewhere. So that it makes sense, though, Norm's saying, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I just didn't like. I it took to say, it took me by I, surprise. The first watch of this, I was like, just as confused as you were. So you're not alone in that. <laughs> what did you think about the final stand he had though? That was pretty badass, right? When they were like fire and there's blowing everything up, like that was pretty cool. I really thought for a second that they blew him up because of all of the red <laughs> dust that gets kicked <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> Like, because it it looks like he gets blown into a bunch of bloody red chunks. But (laughs) so, Amelia, I know, and and Lucas said the same thing. It might have been a little bit confusing of Luke becoming one with the Force at the end. You know, he kind of just like evaporates. But did you think that was like a cool ending? Like him fighting basically the whole dark side not even being there or were you like just confused the whole time uh i it was a nice trick but i i didn't like i didn't buy him dying like that i just i felt a bit let down by somehow lukewarm about (laughs) yeah (laughs) that makes sense but what did you think of the kylo temper tantrum right before that moment where it's like i want to unleash all oh, firepower on that guy everyone yeah. i um i like adam driver's performance a lot um i sometimes am confused by the rage and i think it's because i like haven't been paying enough attention to this series i don't really know what he's so angry about and I feel like that's it's probably an insane thing to say because I think they actually have set it up very well. No, I'm <laughs> with just you. Not, no, with you. I don't think. That's why I the, Darth the, emo. the amount he of rage seen... that he has, we don't have enough backstory to why he is so enraged. I don't we'll think so. no, they, they tell us why. I just don't. I'm like, oh, no, but whatever, I don't buy man. it. I don't buy him having <laughs> that much it. rage from that incident. Like, what, compared to comparing villains, I guess, to Darth Vader. Like, like Darth Vader was, like, burned alive, and he only has, like, his upper torso and, like, head left. I would be enraged. And, you know, and the whole, when you're being mentally manipulated. Pregnancy. Yeah, like, I, I could totally understand that. 
the Kylo thing. You're, I mean, it's like, dude, just your parents <laughs> deliver you to a cult. No, the cult master happens to be your uncle who then tries killing you. Wait, I sense but a he bunch of like he, he tried. No, 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 in your mind, he was about to kill. Yeah, but if we also... couldn't have like. He couldn't have taken a moment to be like, whoa, what's going on? See, I think that this could have been handled better. And honestly, yeah. like, in my head, if, like, I were Kylo Ren's parents or a mentor, you know, you just gotta, like, you know, listen to some Paramore, blow it off for a few, <laughs> few months, have a phase, wear some dark eyeliner, they were and then were you'll be fine. Like, didn't... They, but they loved him. Like, I know they gave him to the jedi but um I... they thought they were doing what was best <laughs> the thing is though this would have been a, such a better story if he just was like ambitious and really just wanted power and whatever luke tried to do he couldn't couldn't get to him this whole thing that like luke tried to kill him was so unnecessary and annoying to me like that's one of my things you i was gonna ask you what things you don't like about this i was like that just feels like such a cop-out weird annoying thing that s makes him very sympathetic where i liked him more when he was just kind of like wanted to be Darth Vader. Like, he is like, I want to be the bad guy. I want to be like, have all this power. Take over the universe. I was like, I kind of <clears> like him when he's like that. And then when they made him just like, dead, my uncle was really mean to me. Like, Especially yeah, with his know. with his parentage, there could have been like, really interesting yes. motivation for that because he yes. could have been like, oh, I saw my parents, there were rebels and like, things worked out, however, and but they but they failed. And you every know? generation was rebels against their parents, right? It would, it would have made so much sense. And he idolizes his grandfather, who is this like, terror of the galaxy. I mean, there was a better story there that just got ruined, I think. But Be like, I could be like Darth Vader, but better. Yeah. You know, I can actually and, bring and order succeed. to the galaxy. Yeah. Where my parents failed or whatever. And, and anyway, it, but story. I think they, I feel like they did the the plot just so they could kill more younglings. <laughs> That's all they're that. here for. Yeah. Well, so any other uh, things that you didn't like that you, moments that you just are like, what the heck is going on? That like I just described. I uh, I liked the character of Rose, but I did not get that she was in love with Finn <laughs> until she kissed him. Yeah, I also yeah. did not understand that. And her sacrifice to me was the most one of the most annoying parts of the whole movie too. Where I'm like, that's the end of her story. She it was, just like stops him from doing. It was something so cool. dumb. Yeah. And she was like, "I'm gonna save your life by by basically doing what you were about to do by like killing myself." I mean, like she, she's not dead at the end, but, but they she didn't even is stop the machine. I'm gonna tell you. Like such a I'm gonna tell moment. you. Finn sacrificing himself would have taken this tr movie trilogy into a whole nother direction. And mm -hmm. I said this in one of our last episodes when we were talking about the last episode of season three of The Mandalorian. You gotta have more death. The stakes <laughs> need to be higher. And killing Finn would have been that stake. Okay? Put your brogan over here. No, but <laughs> I remember brogan. specifically watching that scene. Heads will roll. Watching him racing towards, you know, the big, you know, ship or whatever. And I was mentally preparing myself. I was like, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And then I was like, brace yourself, Bridget. They're going to do but, it. And so what you're if he did prepared. it? That's, and Luke that... saved him from afar using the Force. Yeah. That's I like this story Let me tell you. Let me tell like you. Why do you think better. Rogue One is so good? Because they all die. <laughs> everybody okay? Dies. That is why Richard that Rogan movie works spoken. so well. Execute them. <laughs> 
It would have been cliche. It would have been cliche for <laughs> Finn to go and kill himself. But that's the thing. <laughs> Nobody wants cliche anymore. And I don't blame them for being like, all right, we're going to give it look like, oh, here we go. Finn's going to go out and kill himself to save everyone. And no, that's not what happened. Instead, we got Luke killing himself to save everyone. I think, personally, they both should have died. One did. And, the, like, <laughs> hey, death. Death is the only thing everyone. that teaches people a lesson. All right? Bridget, will you just watch Game of Thrones already? You will you will be very happy with it. Just yeah. watch Game of Thrones. If you like death, just go there. She's going to be like, I like it, but just not enough death. Or that I have to watch <laughs> one or two Pascal more. die, and I really don't want to do that. Ooh, oh, but that's he one a, of the best deaths Ooh, it's one of the thing. best death scenes. And by, de by best, I mean, ooh. ooh brutal, yeah. Anyway. Um, Kit, yeah. Can, can I talk about my least favorite part of this mm, entire movie. Please. Because it's the very beginning, because it was so good. It starts out so great. I love, again, I love Poe. Poe's my favorite character in this trilogy. In this, that whole entire opening where he wants to talk to General Hux and he's doing like the, oh, I'm on waiting and just like mm -hmm. distracting him <laughs> long enough. That is so funny. Yeah. I love it. Hugs. But the General next, Hugs. the next thing that happens is they bring in these bombers, bombers yeah. out of light speed. And they move like snails. But not only that, they're bombers. In space. And they're using gravity in space, in space to bomb the dreadnought. Uh, <laughs> can I say, though, uh, so how do you pronounce his name? Ryan or Rian? Rian Johnson? Uh, Rian. Uh, it's, it's Ryan, but sometimes I call him Rian because I've never seen Ryan spelled okay, that way. Okay, all I'll say is... And I think that I think that white people should have their names mispronounced more often. <laughs> I'll gladly do it. I think, which I do constantly. I think it's I think it's supposed to be pronounced Ryan. Ryan. Okay. What? Ryan, I think it's supposed to be pronounced Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Ryan Johnson. He, yeah. Have you ever seen his other work? Have you ever seen Looper? Have you ever seen? Yes, um, I've seen so, Looper. So I'll say this about him: Knives Out. Like, it's funny that the thing he does best, which I want him to keep doing, are the mysteries. Because his stuff makes no freaking sense ever. If you <laughs> you take any movie he's ever done and you try to logically make sense of the plot, it doesn't make any sense, dude. Like, watch Looper. You're like, he's playing with time travel, but it doesn't, like, somebody gets, you know, you cut their nose off and then it, like, disappears in the in, in the past. It disappears in the present. It, it, like, logically, none of it none of it adds up. But, like, if you just accept that things are happening that don't need to make sense and you pay attention to the emotional arcs of the character, he does a really good job with characters, right? So, like, you got, like I'm not defending him in a way because it drives me crazy, Norm. Like, the whole bomber thing, the first time I watched this movie, this, I, I like this one less than even the first one when I first watched it. Now, it is, I rate it above it because I just accept that it's super flawed with those weird things that make no logical sense. But I, I kind of like the emotional journey of all the characters in this. Like, it actually works better on a human level that, for me than the first one, which just felt like I was literally going to a Disneyland ride of like, yes, I like Star Wars, so I'm going to go on this ride. And this one felt like a real movie with real characters that makes no freaking sense logically. Can I point I out the thing I hate <laughs> logically? How, what's going on? Like, so they're fleeing, but then you can leave the ship and then you can come back to the ship, right? But like, you can't attack it. Like, what the hell? Like, how could they go back, keep jumping around to all these different ships, but they're being chased, but they can't go they into were, warp speed, but they can they go into warp speed? They were just out of weapons range. Just a little range. bit. Of, so, just, oh, just a hair out. I, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like, the, the whole so, construction of the plot They were no trying sense. to do 
Hunt for Red October. They were oh, trying Lord. to do Hunt for Red October in that in that sense of the like, plot. Just let it go, and like I like the character work. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this: I walked out of the theater loving this film because I think the thing with The Force Awakens is my aunt described it to me. It was like having a reunion with an old friend like it was a very warm film mm-hmm. it gave you back all the classic nostalgia 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 of the original trilogy and it was just comforting there's something like so lovely mm-hmm. about that film you know it was a good introduction for everyone back into star wars so what i liked about this film is that it really took chances it took it in a way different direction than like any of the other trilogies had done before. And what I loved about the end of it is it made you like, it left an almost an unsettling feeling in your stomach. Cause you're like, what's going to happen next? Like there were so many unanswered questions about, you know, like who is Ray, you know, why is Kylo so angry? You know, now what's happening since Luke is gone. And I there like was that he's like, you're so nobody. Questions. Like Kylo yes. like, tells her you're nobody. Your parents were trash and they're, there were drug addicts who ditched you. It was kind of cool. Like, it was totally unexpected. Right. I like that. I kind of yeah. hope, and nobody give me any hints, but I okay. kind of hope that she actually is nobody. Right? Wouldn't that be Cause... so much cooler? Yep. And <laughs> I, it's it's so hard. Wouldn't I'm really biting nice my tongue so hard, Emilia, and I cannot wait till you see the, the final no film. Well, I really did love this film because I, I liked the chance. I liked the direction mm-hmm. that it went in. It was different. It was new. The style was awesome. It visually, it was great. Uh, and and again, it's just like you were like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? This like it's gonna this finale is gonna be incredible because they have to answer all these questions. We don't really like know anything. Ki- all yet. the kids getting inspired, like the next generation, saying these this repressed right. generation growing up in in the republic whatever that's also flawed like they're ready to rise up it, it gave me like a cool feeling like yeah man the rebellions every generation needs to rebel mm-hmm. all right jefferson take it down a, a <laughs> but no i just think it was setting it up mm-hmm. this film did a good job of setting up a good finale I gotta stop talking. I gotta stop <laughs> well, talking. No, well, so let's let's ask Emily. What do you think is gonna happen for your theories moving forward? What do you think is gonna happen? So the next film is called The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I've got a sinking feeling that Ray is not just some nobody. Um, and I and I feel like she's gonna be related to the Skywalkers, and I, I don't. Disappointed you were. I don't want that. <laughs> Um. Uh, but I think that they're well. I feel like with the trilogy, they kind of have to close the loop and be like, okay, they're gonna take out the the not empire, mm-hmm. and so that I think is gonna be the general plot. Is like, yeah, take out the empire. They're gonna take down Kylo Ren. And but do I think they're gonna kill Kylo Ren? No, I don't. I think he's going to be reunited with uh, Leia. Sort reunited of. and it feels so good. Um, oh. I, have a, I have a disclosure to make. I have a confession to make. I've never watched Rise of Skywalker. 
Whoa. Oh, we're going to have a double blind spot? This is a double blind spot. I've avoided oh it because I know what happened. Bridget, you got extra work, <laughs> oh baby. Oh, my God. So I, the whole plot was ruined for me ahead of time. Um, so I have to. I, I had no interest in seeing it because all those theories you were just talking about, Emilia, I actually know what happens. And I was like, oh, I don't want to see that. So I never watched it. And uh, so I'm willing to watch it for the blind spots to fill it I, in. I'm... I don't know if I have a diagnosis for this personally. This is this is one of the most it's rare cases blind. I've ever seen. Emily's wow. blind spot's so bad it took over Lucas's. Yep, yep. I did not know that blind spots it's were catching. contagious. This is quite the discovery. <laughs> uh, this will be fun. Wow. Uh, wow, Lucas, that was that was a confession. Yeah. I, I, I waited. I, I waited for the entire Star confession. Wars. Yes, a, a verse. A verse. Confession. Yeah, I waited through the entire Star Wars series to get us to this point to admit I've never seen this one Star Wars movie. You've Maybe really been sitting on this secret. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> been parked on it. Uh, I said earlier I, I would met, I would bring up uh, the whole Ray Kylo Ren love thing mm-hmm. and a theory that is about it. Um, Snoke blatantly says, "I put that connection there." And as you can see, it just failed. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson was trying to portray was that Snoke isn't as powerful as as Palpatine was. Because Palpatine put the connection between Anakin and Padme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that was an explanation of, hey, this can happen. And if you're powerful enough of a dark side user... You can actually manipulate them into thinking they're actually in love. Whereas in this case, they just have this weird – I think it's supposed to be a failed romance in a way because Snoke's not as powerful as what Palpatine was. And he has no hold over Kylo Ren, so he can't force these emotions, which is why it comes off as awkward. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the reason why it comes off the way it comes off. Okay. It's definitely awkward. Well, I was going to say something inappropriate, but I'm not going to anymore. Um, so, I mean, Amalia, on all the scope yeah. of the Star Wars you've seen so far, where would you rank this, The Last Jedi? Oh, man. I still don't – I still have to go back and find my original ranking. Pick the tiers. Do the tiers. Yeah, do a tier. Uh, top tier, top middle tier, tier, middle tier, tier bottom tier. Low tier. Middle tier. Same. Yeah. Once you finish yeah. the last, once you finish the last of this trilogy, then we'll pull out a whole. Yeah, ranking. that that's when we need to have the full. Yeah, but let me ask list. you this: so, <laughs> go back to the archives. So, do you like the first one of this sequel series better than this one? I imagine. Yeah, because uh, I just felt like I I really liked the little friendships and relationships they set up. Like I really liked uh, Finn and and Ray's relationship they had like a this wonderful little friendship that we didn't get to see in this film although we did get more poe time which i love 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 seeing oscar isaac um he works hard so, in this film he's like really every scene he's in he's like 100 percent. no he's great in this yeah he's really great yeah. in this. he's great in everything i know he never and, phones it in <laughs> i think it's a it's an inspired choice that i was also in my opinion carried off a little bit awkwardly but an inspired and interesting choice that he has this hero plan that he carries out after the dreadnought, like with the um, 
with the whole like mutiny thing and it totally fails and uh and like leia's basically like leia wakes up and is like yeah you totally messed up this was like <laughs> not my intention at all so like you suck um and i thought that that was like a really good idea on paper but the way it was played out was a bit like a uh, whiplashy <laughs> I do love that Leia just blasts him with the stun gun <laughs> when she first <laughs> I, 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 love that. Great. I did yeah. like that scene. <laughs> so how many um, uh, out of five uh, lightsabers? Death stars. Or five death stars, because we can blow them up. Um, how many death stars out of five? I, I'm i going to say three. You know, I would have said two and a half, but with the there's, there's so much more Poe in it, so three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think we're actually and pretty I, did aligned. They, on this. Um, did they like update the sounds of the lightsaber? Like, I I know that I'm sure they've been updating the sounds of the lightsabers, but this one I I really noticed it for Kylo Ren's. Kylo's, they completely yeah. changed New the lightsaber sound because yeah. it also looks okay. different. It has that handle on it, so it's like a different. And style. for and for uh, Rays, they gave it a little bit more bottom end because they can now, and you can yeah. hear it more in theaters and whatnot. So. Dolby. It, yeah. According to Lucas Sound, they it was always there. They just enhanced the bottom the the yeah. bottom cool. end. So it's probably Sound what you're similar. feeling. Again, I, also I, I compared really to the last time we saw the lightsabers that looked like light as a feather, as Obi Wan and Anakin were just like whipping <laughs> them around, doing fancy tricks. Like it gave. I think the the new sound gave them like girth again, yeah, showing weight. how yeah. powerful yeah. these things are. I like them. I like that you can hear if they're good or bad. <laughs> Are you like a naughty lightsaber? <laughs> sputter versus hum, you know? Yeah. That's so. awesome. Oh, yeah. Norm, what, where do you put this one? I'm probably going to go with three and a half Death Star. Um, I like it a little bit more than, than Emily because there's actually a lot of lore that pops into this. And I'm I love lore. Mm-hmm. So the lore that pops up in this is actually really cool and interesting to me and made me want to go out and buy those Jedi and Dark Side books. Mm-hmm. So Okay. And Bridget, I feel like I was a three as well. Like or a B minus is what I would give this one. Which I'm is better like, than the C plus I gave the the first sequel. I rating this, it's like four and a quarter Death Stars. Wow. I loved ooh, this damn. film. And I think too, this film holds a little bit more of a special place in my heart because the only the reason I got into Star Wars, I didn't get into it until The Force Awakens came out. So let's say 2015, I was in high school and I saw The Force Awakens with friends of mine, but before we went to theaters, we I watched um the original trilogy. So I watched the original trilogy, then saw The Force Awakens. Well, after seeing The Force Awakens, I then got turned on into the prequels. And it just like spiraled out of control. I was like, I love Star Wars. So, but I had to wait like now two years until the next film came out. Like I just got into Star Wars. I was like, oh my God, this is the bee's knees. So I like. All the film row was so excited because now this was like the first really big, important Star Wars film for me to see in theaters. And we were, I was in Disney World when it premiered with my family so everything was just like decked out star wars shows every night characters everywhere it was it was amazing 
and I remember like like sh like shaking in theaters. I was so excited to see this, and we saw it in Disney, and it was so cool. And I had Star Wars gear on, and it was just like very special. Like, and I think yep. again, we've talked about this a million times on this podcast. Like the setting, your mood, everything affects your viewing experience, and this mm -hmm. was one that like yep. it was the perfect setup for me to see it. So I walked into that theater being, I love Star Wars. I'm so confused. I have so many questions, but I love Star Wars. It's <laughs> always <laughs> so good. Just wait till the next coming. movie. Just okay. you wait, folks. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cure for the end of that one. Yeah, I've never seen it, Bridget. Don't spoil it. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm just saying... Just saying. Malpractice. I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you. Without violating maybe, any HIPAA maybe laws. you're <laughs> dipping into malpractice territory. Knock it off. So I think that about sums it up for Star Wars. The Last, the last Jedi. Je the Jedi. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. <laughs> last Jedi. <laughs> hey, Norm. Reverse. Really? Again? Yes! Really? Again? Reverse! Okay! Uh, great. I get to spend another weekend fixing our transmission coils. And they are not cheap. Maybe we should find another way to introduce this segment while we're in an intercinematic recession not a bad idea emilia hopefully soon we i mean i will have our financials fixed yes but again i wasn't talking about the ship silly gooses i was talking about the verse reverse the segment where we recast our favorite films and shows with a brand new cast well what are we recasting this week Let's see what film the bingo ball machine selects. Oh, great. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Easy enough. There are some added roles. We each have our own eras to cast. Uh-oh. Norm, you got the 80s because you're such a fan of that. Oh, come decade. on. Emilia, the 90s, because I think it's going to be hard for you to remember back beyond that, considering you weren't born yet. And BB, you get the aughts. And for me, I'm going to get the 70s because that is the best decade of cinema in all of U.S. history. Hey, hey Lucas, no one calls it yes. the aughts, by the way. Yes, they do. I do. What are the aughts? Google does. Case closed. Aye. The aughts? Nobody calls it the aughts. Yeah, what? You can, also call it, you can also call it the noughties, which is how the British say it. But no, the aughts, even fewer people do that. I guess people who are older than you, who were alive when The Simpsons existed, called The Ots. Because that is from The Simpsons. But you haven't answered what The Ots are. Oh, The Ots are the decade of uh, 0 to 10, 2000 to 2010. Are called so the, the 2000s. The, two the Ots. 2000 to 2010. The 2000s. The you can also call the them aughts. The Noughties. As the the 2000s. <laughs> sure. If In this is going to move us to the next stage of this segment, then by all means, The 2000s. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. could be the entire millennium. We could call them the the noughties. The noughties. <laughs> well, 
Okay. Okay, we'll go in alphabetical order. Oh no. Um. A, B, so why don't no, we? No, I don't. I, don't I think I think we are going in oh, a randomly selected uh, path here. Well, in, in any case, uh, the numbers that were chosen go: okay. Emilia is first, I am second, then BB, and finally Lucas. Okay. We're gonna go character by character, but we're gonna go Emilia, then me, then Bridget. Then Lucas. Oh, I see. Because we're not doing just all at once. Okay, fair enough. No, nope. not doing all at once. Okay. 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 Star Lord first, then. Sure. Peter Quill. Yep. Okay. And remind uh, us, you are casting what era? The nineties. So <laughs> give us nineties Star Lord. <laughs> I had to do a lot of research for this actually because I was like, I've seen. A lot of stuff in the 90s, but I was five max in the <laughs> 90s. So um, there's a lot of stuff I didn't rem- like, you know, don't don't have from. It's not easy to recall. So for Star Lord, I went with a 90s star of some of my favorite movies, <laughs> and that is Carrie Elwes. Yes, I think wow. that's how you pronounce it. Carrie Elwes, well, yeah. Elwes. Wow, really? From the Who's Princess the, Bride. Princess yeah. Bride. Like yeah. one of the best roles ever. That's a great choice. And Robin Hood Men in Tights. God, oh my so god, charming. best his best. His he best be is so Robin much Hood Men in Tights. Pratt, by the way. <laughs> so I, I thought long and hard about who to cast. Um I almost cast Will Smith, but <laughs> Oh, I thought that's what I was going my head was going right there because you were taking your time. I'm like, it's totally gonna be Will Smith. But he'd be a good choice too, although Carrie Elway's awesome choice. Yeah, so that was me. Let's uh Norm, the eighties. Okay, um, I actually had a lot of trouble with my list only because, like, I would think of one person, like, oh, wow, that's really good. And then later on, I'd be like, wait a minute, this other person would be good. And I had to really battle myself to the fact that uh, my Star Lord and Rocket for me are almost interchangeable. Oh, interesting. And I'll get to it when, when, we, when we get to Rocket. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll talk about it. But for Star Lord, I wanted to take a slightly different take on Peter Quill. I want him to be a little bit younger than what um, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt was in in the current Guardians film, and because of that, there's no, in my opinion, there is no bigger young star in the '80s than Michael J. Fox. Yeah, he's so a good he guy. is my Star Lord. That's a good choice. All right, yeah, yeah. It would. T- it's totally different than what I would expect to do because we'll talk about. I thought I had the 80s at first, so I actually did a whole 80s list. But Norm, good choice. Um, Thank you. So, uh, BB, you're the Oz. BB. You know, the Oz, which is from 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, oh 2004, yeah. 2000, up until 2010. Yes. I'm going to tell you, though, I honed in early 2000s. That was my show sure. for this. That's fair. Early 2000s. Okay. Uh, and I'm upset with our producer because he kind of spoiled – my main casting for this, and I was like, what? I swear to God, Steve, because I, I had a question about if it was people born in the 2000s or just people who were famous in the 2000s, oh. and he spoiled it. So, my Star-Lord is Heath Ledger. Mm, that's, a good, that's an interesting choice, too. God, he brings yeah. so much, like, attitude to that role. Well, also, so, like, obviously, like, Heath Ledger, like, uh later people like realize him from the joker mm-hmm. but uh a my 
Mm-hmm. No, Bye. ten things I hate about you, Stop. Heath Ledger, would be great. I'm trying to say, both but that's of them, both of them. Stop, Norris, talking. <laughs> I only talked for a second. Stop talking. <laughs> Tell us about ten things I hate. My about Heath you, Ledger is ten things I hate about you. <laughs> yeah. Ten things I hate about Norm. The spoiler <laughs> storm. <laughs> But you're right, that era of Heath Ledger would be a, a really great casting choice for Star-Lord. Better than Chris Pratt. I think all, so far all of our choices have been better than Chris Pratt. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry. That well, sets up br- you. Bring it on home for us. That brings you home to the, <laughs> so uh, feeling, the 70s there, buddy. I have a feeling, though, that uh, none of you are going to understand my selection completely if you're not fans of 70s cinema. Okay. But that's okay. Well, you you, you have I'll a friend say. in me, buddy. So who here had seen... Clockwork Orange. Okay. Me. So you yep. know that era Malcolm McDowell when he was young. Yes. And, yes. And, and kind of like a little bit of a criminal. He had that, he had that yes. attitude. He's in this movie, If, that was all about like youth rising up. He would make a spectacular Star-Lord. I dig that choice. Yeah. That, it, that is a different choice. He would have so much choice, attitude. But yeah. He'd be a little bit dangerous, but also a little bit innocent. So I just feel like he would knock it out of the park. That, I, like I that. like that. Yeah. All right. So, so I think we're back to me now. Should we do for Rocket for Rocket next? Or we do Gamora? I know you choose. Uh, well, I just—I mean, I just had them written down in random order. I happen to have Gamora next. Let's do Gamora. Me too. We'll, we'll do Gamora. But while we're thinking about you know Star Lord and the chemistry that he's going to need to have with Gamora and Carrie Elways, who would be his Gamora? Yes, I went with '90s era Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> Nice. Dude, she was in Super Cop in that era. I think actually that was my choice for the 90s too. Good damn. So I was thinking she's got to have the fighting skills. She's mm-hmm. got to have the badassery. And I think she and Carrie always would, would make a nice couple. Maybe. Yeah, she'd mm-hmm. be too cool for him, which is exactly how the relationship is supposed to work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I okay. Wish uh, I wish I could watch that movie right now. 80s Gamora. I, I, again, had trouble with this one because two people were popping up and my Gamora and Nebula are interchangeable, but I'm going with this Gamora because I wanted her to be more like comic book Gamora and be more of a, a badass. Uh, that's what I wanted. I wanted her to be very awkward with any relationship with Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. So where did I go? I went with Grace Jones. Nice. Yes. She be so compl- assassin. Completely badass. Yeah. Who's gonna be like, be like, no, no. If if I want a man, I'll oh. just go and take There's him. There's only one thing that would not be awkward is be seeing Michael J. Fox try to come on to Grace Jones would be really embarrassing and hilarious. It and would hilarious, work yeah. so well. This is what yeah. I'm saying. Boom. God, I want to watch that movie now too. Grace Jones. I did not know who this was, oh. uh, so I just googled. Wait, you don't know who Grace Jones is? My God, you have to watch the Pee Wee. Christmas special, you'll get the best introduction to Grace Jones. Watch, watch Conan the Conqueror. Watch uh, which Bond film was it with? She was in Living Let No, uh, not Living Let Die. She was in the A View to a Kill, right? A View to a Kill, yeah. There it is. Ah. Dude, she's so tough in that one. God. That's what I'm saying. I had such a crush on her. When I was a kid growing up, actually, mine that I'll talk about, I had a huge crush on, but we'll get into that. I mean, I, I honestly believe they modeled all of the Dora Milaje after Grace Jones. Yes, agreed. All right, Bridget, that's some high bar right there. You had Michelle Yeoh, Grace Jones. Who is your Okay, so I actually had so many, so many people written down for Gamora. 
But I had, because based on my backups and things, I was like, all right, who's going to pair the best with Heath Ledger as far as chemistry goes? So I was like, she's got to, she's got to be starver age. She's got to be, have the cute and flirty side, but she's also got to be able to be a total bad A the and fight. So I went with no other than Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say the original Buffy, but that's from the 90s, so never mind. Yeah. <clears throat> was that from the 90s? I thought that was from, that might have been 90s. 89. I'm almost positive. Was it 90s? Okay. But sorry, we're detracting from Bridget's uh, Michelle Gellar. That's a fascinating casting choice. Very different than, um, you know, than the Grace Jones, right? So, okay. I could totally see her doing the uh, um, the Gamora, though, as, you know, the uh, kung fu fighting, hence the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, and I mean, like, in that era, I mean, she was, like, Wait, was the she super awesome Daphne. No, she no, was in Cruel no. Intentions. Cruel Intentions. Oh, so many. Okay. Uh, and also Daphne from Scooby-Doo. So. Nice. <laughs> so, but the two of them, so Heath Ledger and her would be great chemistry, though, for, uh, yeah. I would actually believe that relationship, though. Great. Okay. All right, so, Lucas, the so 70s, Norm, 70s I feel like Gamora. we were channeling the same energy because I was like, if you're going to get a badass and an ass kicker of from the 70s era, there's only one woman who stands up head and shoulders above everyone else of that era as an action star, but also a sex symbol, just Pam Greer. She was like Ooh. an oh, icon. And yeah, honestly, if you can I get can see that. Th- and think about the, like I was saying about Marty McFly and uh, the same thing goes with Malcolm McDowell and Pam Greer. That would be so awkward. But I also think it would make such a great pairing for the fact that there's no way she would give him the time of day. And it's just the dynamic of those two actors together. I would just love to see that. I like it. Should we do Rocket next? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So Rocket, I went a little unorthodox. Because I was just thinking about distinctive voices that could bring a lot to a character, be very expressive. And I went with Whoopi Goldberg. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> you're very good at doing the wait this is rocket that works yeah yes. that would work really well that's Attitude. actually really funny <laughs> um, who would have thought that bradley cooper would have no that, that that's that's the that's where i went like i was thinking like bradley cooper didn't really make that much sense to me and um, he's so goddamn good in that but he's but he's very good at it so when I was selecting my 80s rocket, uh, I was also thinking about this particular character for Star Wars, too, because I was thinking of an action star mm-hmm. and an action star in the 80s that you weren't suspecting. But I was like, you know what? They need to have attitude and they need to have that anger, but that comedic anger to be there. And nobody brings that out better than Eddie Murphy. Ooh, 80s yeah. Eddie Murphy. I'm I'm talking yes. raw. Um, yeah, you know, Delirious yeah. was I think was the maybe the end of the 70s, but Dude, he was on he was on fire. No, it was all 80s. He was, he was early 80s okay. for, for raw. Yeah. So he was just great, and no, I, I an awesome choice. I, I and and you know him being uh, you know Beverly Hills Cop and whatnot, and and Golden Child. I was like, you know what, Eddie Murphy would be a great voice for Rocket. I'm into it. And the dragon from Milan, yeah. Mushu. <laughs> Mushu, yep. Yeah. Yeah, we know he's a good voice actor. Yeah, he, yeah, he's been an awesome choice. And Donkey. Donkey. All right, Bridget. So Bridget, mm-hmm. who's your rocket? So I 
was going with again i was thinking probably more towards the voice who's going to be able to voice this again bradley cooper unsuspecting but i definitely wanted a comedian who could also just bring the level of sass that rocket just is awesome so early 2000s my rocket would be jack black okay (laughs) bowser of course nice you're you could never go wrong with jack black Oh, Jack, but I I like that choice. And he can do Me drama too. too, man. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Great choice. Yeah. So, I feel like all my choices are going to go over everyone's head at this point. Um, but there's a reason I chose Bruce Dern for Rocket in the '70s. Bruce Dern is known for being one of the best um, improv actors with other act. Like they're called uh, Dernsyisms. So, like knowing how much that character is like, you know, he's done in post a lot of it. So some of it can be in the moment as well as improv. I just think Bruce Stern is a completely underrated, well, not really, Hollywood loves him, but like he is one of the most like underappreciated from a pop culture standpoint, actors that are working. If you've ever seen The Burbs, he's in yep. that and he's so freaking funny in that. But anyway. He's great in The Burbs. So I think he would do a spectacular rocket voice. Now we're up to who's next? Drax or Nebula? Uh, I have Drax next on my list. Okay. Let's do it. And for Drax, I wanted another someone another wrestler basically so i was thinking about like wrestlers of the 90s which i know nothing about so i went back to my knowledge of things that i do know about which is third rock from the sun guest stars and (laughs) i went with china oh okay i like i like your gender swapping on uh josie i can't i'm blanking on her last name now but um dude she was like she was the biggest like one of the biggest wrestlers of the 90s joan marie laurer yeah laurer jo- yeah joan marie or or laurer yeah. yeah that's awesome good choice emilia i also decided i had to stick to a wrestler and at first i was like oh man the 80s i don't want to have to go hulk hogan no, i did not i did not want to go hulk hogan so i was like i was thinking about it i'm like so there's only two other wrestlers that i i trust acting wise one is jesse the body ventura and he was really close to taking drax for me but instead emilia you picked carrie Owls. i'm picking andre the giant yeah. for Ooh, my that's drax a that's a good one lucas i didn't take yours did i no not at all Okay. There's a reason I went was... with mine. I'll get into it. But yeah. No, that's great. But I'm going Andre the Giant. I want him to huge. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, BB. So this name actually was brought up a few minutes ago in the beginning of this reverse. But for my cast for Drax, I want Will Smith. Ooh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just not what okay. I expect. Because I I wanted someone funny, knowingly mm-hmm. funny, because I just think Drax is the most hysterical character. And I, I, I guess I wasn't also thinking, like, he needs to be, like, the wrestler fit. He doesn't he necessarily have to be. He just he has to, to be able to be in a scene and have, like, a big presence. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith the The only the flaw in this casting is he'd never do it. But I like where your head's at. It's If, if you could make Will Smith play that character, it would be a good idea for his mm-hmm. career as well. But, yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't cast him then, so he could be. So you could cast him. Thank you. I had a good backup. I I think at least a good backup. But well, for me, the '70s was weird because this is before steroids really took over. So there weren't like a lot of big actors, and I, I couldn't really use Arnold Schwarzenegger because he was in stuff, but it was really like documentary stuff. 
I mean, I could have used him as a cheat, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with somebody who actually would be such a good presence. Also, great activists and like, you know, kind of like, oh, and he passed away me. last week. He passed away last week and he didn't get any coverage. Jim Brown. He died last oh, week. Okay. And nobody like wow, was saying anything about him. <clears throat> He's a great actor from the 70s who was in a lot of like yes, action movies. He was a, a football player. And so I just think Jim Brown would bring a gravitas to that character. And, uh, and he also was physically a big guy. So I thought he mm-hmm. would just be a really great choice for Drax. I know that you're saying that there like wasn't no coverage. So Jim Brown is like one of the biggest people from Syracuse University oh, ever. Okay. So cool. we, had, we, yeah. we had wall-to-wall oh. coverage at our station when on, he like, passed. Usually Twitter, yeah. you know, like uh, anyway, but for, I'm, for I'm glad he got the coverage. Second? He's just an incredible guy. For a split second, I thought you were going Lou Ferrigno. That's what oh, I no, thought no, no, for no. a second. <clears throat> no, when you said activist, I was like, oh, well, Ferrigno's actually a pretty big activist. Yeah, so. no, I no diss on Lou Ferrigno. I actually think he would be a fun, like, it was, that was my backup, not like anybody would use Jim Brown, but like, if I had yeah. to have a backup, Lou Ferrigno was my second choice. I like it. Nice. So, uh, Groot? Sure. Mm-hmm. But this okay, is the so voice I... only, remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> for, so, for Groot, I chose Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I could have called it. I'm actually surprised That's you didn't so have sad. Nick Cage's Star Lord. But I anyway. can't. I can't believe it. I can't believe in Emilia. I'm sorry. I. I. That's. That's great. Um, well, he I was wasn't my group. Like, he wasn't my group. But. Oh. He, you. But he was on the table. He was my Yondu. Interesting. He was oh. my Yondu. You got to get another. Well. Well, I have different mentioned- Groot. I have backups Lu- for all of them. Lucas named my Groot, and I was thinking, who's an overpaid actor who would just be a recognize- somewhat recognizable <laughs> voice to say, I am Groot? And I'm like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Let's shell out the money for him <laughs> nice. just to say, I, I am Groot. Good choice. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bridget, yeah. I can go if you don't have somebody queued up. No, 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 no. So I, no, I have a different group. She stole my different character. No, my oh, group. Right. Right. I was thinking yeah. the same thing, Norm. I just want a very recognizable voice. And for mine, Morgan Freeman. Duh. <laughs> Duh. 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 Okay, so we're totally simpatico. If you're going to use a voice of the 70s, there's only one choice Isaac Hayes. I hear say James so bad, mother. We all Groot. Oh man, he would nail that. That's actually really funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, all right, so then we're up to Yondu. No, Yondu or Nebula. Oh, well, choice. Who do you have next, Emily? Um, my list has Nebula next. Okay. And for Nebula, I wanted again another another you know badass super person uh, who like has an attitude was capable of having a serious attitude and i went with angelina jolie nice oh i like it yeah 90s angelina jolie too she was yeah mm-hmm. emilia you out. and i again are thinking along the same routes with our with our, our badass females who are just like completely believable and also someone I, ha- I had a small crush on in the 80s uh this could have also been uh gamora but i went for my nebula sigourney weaver Ooh, nice. by the way, my '80s um, Gamora was Sigourney Weaver, but I see what you mean. Yeah, see, you're right. I, yeah, <clears throat> I like she'd that. Be, yeah, she'd be great I can see that. that. Yeah, because I love her anger too. Like later, Sigourney Weaver, her showing her anger in like in in the movie Paul and, and a couple other man, that's good. And I, I think she would make a great Gamora. Or, sorry, a Nebula. Nebula. Mm-hmm. Nebula. 
Uh, so for for me, again, I wanted good chemistry with whoever my Gamora was, but I also was thinking someone who could do action, but I need them to be semi monotone, not yeah. express a lot of emotion. So I went with Selma Blair. Ooh, I love Selma Blair. That's cool. Oh, early two thousands. I'm trying to think of what she was in it. No, Reunion no, no, no emotion. <laughs> And I also, I loved her in Hellboy and seeing her in oh, she's oh. that, I was like, I, she's definitely could um, be my number okay. easily. Yeah, no, that, oh, that era. from Legally Blonde. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Vivian. <laughs> it's a great movie. Okay. Um, okay, so for me, uh, I, I was thinking who would play like a really scene-chewing villain in the first, you know, the first Guardians who would also play off really well. And I was like, who's going to play off really well with Pam Greer and hold her own? I was like, oh, my God, from the 70s, there was Madeline Kahn, who was always in these, uh, always in the um, Mel Brooks movies. But Blazing she was a Saddles, dramatic baby. actor as yes. well. She would okay. be so freaking funny, but intense <laughs> as, so a, as a scene-chewing villain. Anyway, I just, the two, again, Pam Greer and her in a scene would just be hilarious to me. Anyway, I support that 100%. <clears throat> okay. Yep. And then, so who are we left? With Yondu? Yeah, do. I cast a mantis, but I realize mantis is not in the first one. So oh, I, I casted a mantis well, too. So did I. Okay. All right, oh, let's do Yondu first, okay. though. Uh, I chose for Yondu. I wanted someone who could be fatherly, someone who could be have an imposing presence and be a little scary too. So I chose Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy nice. Curtis, like Good it. Choice, especially that era of '90s Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Yep. Emily, I close enough. I, I didn't want the fatherly aspect too much. What I was looking for was scary, intimidating, and had some presence. And for this, I dipped into horror. And in the 80s, the best horror icon was played by Robert Englund. England, yep. I like That'd it. That's a really cool choice. He, 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 that guy could act, yeah. He, he can. He's cla- classically ready, trained. He and, act, yeah. But man, oh man, I, I think that dude, and I think he would rock the look too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, with that. the the mohawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Emilia conveniently stole my first pick for Yandu, which was going to be Nicolas Cage, and I, that was my—he was the first person I casted, <laughs> by the way. But anywho, oh I did pick a backup, and I actually part of me now thinks I prefer the backup. But Jason Statham, I would <laughs> love to see as the Yandu. transporter. I, love him i think he's so funny but i think he, he can also be comedy, so yeah. serious he's so sarcastic but he mm-hmm. can carry all the other things too but have you seen him in Spy? i just love that uh that's i i'm my so i was envisioning funny, right? spy yeah. jason Statham yeah. when, yeah. when i wrote this okay. but i my, love you him my support um, it's perfect because he got that accent too and it's it's not a southern accent but it's like the southern accent of england it really <laughs> is it really is and I, he's just so funny all right well so for me this is you probably aren't even going to know who this actor is <clears throat> but if you watch movies in the 70s he was like a, a character actor that was over and over again in like so many good movies warren oates and you're probably gonna be like who the heck is warren oates i promise you go back and watch look him up on imdb Go check him out. And, like, he would do the freaking best Yondu. It would be so close to what Rooker did because he could play this, like, criminal but also has a heart of gold, just like a skeezy guy but that actually kind of love. Like, that was Warren Oates. That was a character he played over and over again. 
But anyway, so you're not going to understand who he is, but take my word that's, for it. That's the first one. Choice. That's the first one I had. I didn't know right. who, who you would be the best choice. And anybody who's older who un- watched 70s movies on our Twitter, just agree that it's the best one or disagree. <clears throat> okay, so now we've just got Mantis left. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I wanted someone bubbly uh, with a lot of energy for Mantis, but who could also like really act and kind of bring things to... Um, you know, bring more emotional weight when needed. So I chose Drew Barrymore. Oh, she'd be great. <laughs> oh, she'd I like it. I cast so a lot well. of really big actresses in much more minor roles than they would have been used to. But <laughs> now I think it works. I I actually had to make sure that this actor actress was active during the '80s, but she was. Uh, alongside you again, Emily. We're we're like kind of picking the same casting choices based off of the same thing. I wanted a somewhat bubbly personality and whatnot. Uh, and I went with Tia Carrera. Yes. She was not used enough. And uh, No, she wasn't. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely going off the deep end for this election. But I just wanted, I wanted, I really wanted a male in the role of Mantis. I wanted to Mantis. flip it. Mantis. And I wanted someone like kind of dweeby. You know, because I just think it would make a fun dynamic. So I chose Justin Long. And oh, I, don't... I love it. <laughs> yeah. He because is Dodgeball is my favorite movie of all time. And him and Dodgeball is the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Have you but he does get Barbarian his, like, hero probably. moment in that movie. So he's capable yeah. of it. But <laughs> I just no, think he plays so Dweeb and Innocent so well. Have you seen the movie yeah. Barbarian, though? If not, you should watch it. It'll mess your mind up. But like, okay. Anyway, okay. You like horror movies, so you should watch it. Um, oh my god, Justin Long and Drew Barrymore dated. Yes. Yes. That's cool. It's, it's and they perfect. were in a film together. I can't remember which film, but Going the Distance. There it is. <laughs> All right. So I have the '70s, and if there's one actress that pops out in my mind as being like the sweet, innocent, perky, fun, it's Sally Field. I mean, she would make such a <laughs> yes! cute little innocent mantis. Yes! Sally Field of the '70s was she like embodies that character? Yes, I love Sally Field. So, yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Aunt May. Precisely. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, so there you go. Those are all of our selections. I did ask everybody who would uh, was going to ask who would you hire as the director. I don't know if anybody like thought about. that. I thought about it. I, um, I didn't put it pen to paper, buddy. I had some trouble choosing one though, and I just landed on Tarantino because, like, why not? So I was going to say Norm for the '80s. I was like, you got to get John Carpenter, and that's why you have to have Kurt Russell be Star Lord because he was played his dad. I was like, that was like, I have a whole '80s uh, thing that's a John Carpenter movie in the '80s that would be incredible. But anyway, although your list is better than mine in some ways. So, Bridget, you didn't have any ideas on director? So, no. for me, the 70s, if I was doing late 70s, the two, two of my favorite directors of all time, I mean, so many of my favorite directors of all time are from that era. But if you wanted somebody who could do action, but also do weird, I would get George Miller, who do, he just did Mad Max yep. at that point. So, like, that's, that's George good... Miller directing Guardians of the Galaxy with my cast would be a freaking banger, dude. I re- I remembered who I thought of when you, when you pictured this. I just never wrote it down. But, um, Oh, uh, Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis, that was my 80s choice. If I, I was going to, I, I had him on my Zemeckis. list too, actually. By the way, I'm wearing the uh, Biff Tanner shirt. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, no, nice. <laughs> it's got the DeLorean. Anyway. Love it. 
not gonna lie for a for a very different guardians movie i also thought about uh having chris columbus direct it so it could become a family oh. film <laughs> no, it would be it'd probably be a good film man eh? he could direct that guy could direct anyway well i think we successfully recasted guardians of the galaxy pretty proud of us i uh, don't all those movies sound incredible like i'd want to watch all those i would watch them all so make sure you subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Google, Audible, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Share us with a friend or on your social media pages. Until next time, if you want to follow me, Lucas Long here, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy. If you want to follow me, Emilia, you can find me on Twitter at Emilia U. And if you want to follow me, Bridget Brogan, you can find me at BridgetBrogan16 on Twitter and Instagram. Finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who was last seen trying to uh, figure out who his cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie would be. But he was using the 2010s. And obviously, he came up with the same exact cast. So How original, Steve. Right. Um, he can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at FilmSnork. Up, there's our music. Thanks for listening. Um, keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page at the Versecast, and we'll see you next time in the Verse. The Verse is produced by Stephen Puzakowski. Yeah, so you know we we picked our our cast, but something that is iconic that James Gunn has really nailed down in, in his guardian films was has a slap and soundtrack. So what's your trailer music or opening scene music for what's that? You want to hear uh, the entire soundtrack for the movie? <laughs> All right. Well, so let's put it into context. Yours is the nineties. So the soundtrack has to take place when. So I thought about it. Take, this movie comes out in the 90s. Star-Lord is supposed to be like 30-something. So he would have been born in the 60s, which means his parents would have been born in like the 30s. And so I just kind of use the era from 30s to 50s. Oh, I thought it was it's supposed to be like it was the 80s for the for the for one decade, right? Wasn't it all from the 80s or was it? Uh, no, some of those were from the 70s. Oh, good. So I'm going to do the same thing Emily did and just steal from a few few decades. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, how do you want to do this? I ended up choosing one, two. Wow, I'm the lazy one here. I only, I only picked one song. (laughs) I I had two songs in mind, but like, so I can use both of those, but hit it. Okay. Uh, my look, I, I casted Michael J. Fox as Star Ward. Uh, it's really hard not to have Johnny be good by Chuck Berry as the opening, especially him dancing and like doing mm-hmm. some fake air guitaring, I think would have been great. That so, um, slaps, so yeah, we'll, we will allow it. And that's, and that's a fifties hit. So I think I was kind of in the proper time frame. Um, for that opening scene, I do you all know the song? It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Yes. Of yeah. So I was thinking about the Duke Ellington and Ivy Anderson version which was released in 1932, <laughs> but with a little bit of like a remixed version. There's this French DJ named Proletor that does a remix of it, and it's so good. It uses that original vocals, 
And I'm just imagining that. So it's basically like slightly lo-fi, like hip hopified. You add like a bump and beat, uh, like set in the background and I just kind of like give it a little electronica. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm, that's the opening scene. So that's the opening where he's dancing, you mean? Yeah. Okay. That's, so I have the perfect song for that. So remember, mine is in the 70s. Tim Burton hasn't come out yet. So nobody's seen this done before. And it would be Harry Balafante's Deo. <laughs> he like, come man, we won't go home. Because that's from the 40s. So that would yep. be like a crazy callback in the 70s, right? And I could see that mm-hmm. being on like the vinyl LPs that he had, or the 45s he has to have that his parents, you know, his mom left to him. Nice. Nice. <laughs> see, but, I, I figured my Star Wars was rocking an 8-track. Yeah, I guess a really heavy A-track, yeah. Um, but So are, we had to have one for the trailer as well? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, for the 40s, since mine is like, again, the 70s, I was going to use Swingin' on a Star by Bing Crosby. I thought it would be a really cool like trailer song of that era. So I don't think I actually did a trailer one, um, but I just started, I just like started collecting songs. Oh, me too. And then, I have my soundtrack. So, so yeah. hit us up with some. Okay, so the next scene. <laughs> we meet the gang. They're fighting over the orb. <laughs> and we hear Lloyd Price's Stagger Lee, which are, is a deep cut. And I Stagger went with Lee, deep cuts for this. How do I not even know this one? Nope. <laughs> it's like a, uh, it's it's kind of like a jazz standard, I guess. Oh, okay. But it's like from American folklore. I only know about it because Hugh Laurie did a cover of it. Um. In house, I'm not gonna. Uh, no, but <laughs> oh. in in his like in his studio album, um, but okay. it tells a story of Stagger Lee, who was this guy who uh, killed someone in a bar fight, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're all fighting. It makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Well, he plays my, off of sometimes songs play off type, but anyway, so you go. Uh, my my trailer music uh, was also is also my go to karaoke song, which is uh, Buttercup. Oh, fill me up, Buttercup, yep. baby. Buttercup, baby. Ah, I love that song. <laughs> By the way, the fifties and sixties are like one of my favorite eras of music. So, yeah. I'm gonna do some of my fifties ones that would definitely make the list. But then we'll get into the sixties, which I think I'm allowed to do, but because it's the seventies, but it's cutting it close. But mm-hmm. I I could fill it all up with fifty songs if I needed to. For example. Little Little Willie John's "I'm Shaking," like if you don't have that song in a playlist, put it on there, or just put "Fever." He did the original version of "Fever," which is so goddamn sexy; it's amazing. <laughs> um, but then also, Rich, Little Richard is from that era. "Long Tall yes. Sally," like that's got to be in there. Mm-hmm. That's a cut. Uh, Nina Simone, "Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood," that's got to be in there. Like, there's so many incredible songs from the the '50s and uh, actually, I think that was the '60s. Damn it, I already tripped into the '60s. Oh, and also Hank Williams' Ramblin' Man from the 40s. Oh, Ramblin' Man. That's, That's a good one. I mean, I think that this would be a really great... I am like just want to see this movie. I can't wait till AI can remix this movie with like the director I want, the actors I want, and the soundtrack I want. So <clears throat> we continue on in the movie. <laughs> They're with Tivin, the collector, and they explode his collection um, and the, the whatever fight ensues. Uh, and I also had Little Richard in my soundtrack. Which one? But but I didn't want to go with like Tutti Fruity, you know. It's like everybody knows that Little Richard song. They know Little Richard. I went with the Girl Can't Help It. That's oh, that's one. a that is a good one. I mean, yeah. Little Richard. Yeah, it's not just from Fergie, uh, which I learned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
By um, the way, and then yes. No, say Norm, yeah. you could a recommendation I would have for you, uh, for your for your movie, Count Five, Psychotic Reactions from the '60s. Have you ever heard that song? Anyway, no. Listen to I it. You're like this James Gunn would totally put this. We're we're gonna make a playlist that we're gonna put on Twitter. That's gonna be all of our. Songs. All right. I mean, I will definitely have to go back and, and, and think a little bit more about it. How about 96 Tears? <sighs> 96 Tears. That's got to be like an, an emotional part. Um, you could do Have Love Will Travel by the Sonics would be the one that would literally be my um, trailer song for the for your movie, Norm. Okay. The Sonics. Thanks. It's a Seattle band, garage band. They're so fucking good. Have love. The Seattle oh, Sonics? Travel. Isn't that a basketball team? <laughs> Eventually. This is in the 60s. <laughs> Anyway, so then right. when Quill rescues Gamora and they have their moment, <laughs> um, we hear they can't take that away from me as recorded by Sinatra in 1954. <laughs> Good. Cut. See, if I'm if I'm thinking about that, I might I might go with uh, with Dino and, and go, uh, go Dino. with uh, when the moon hits your eye. Uh, uh, that's Gamora, yeah. Right? yeah, that's Gamora. That's Gamora. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was right there. It's right um, there. Thank you. <laughs> and then for the, there's like the final scene where the final battle where they're, uh, versus the Nova Corps. And I'm thinking, didn't it rain as recorded by sister Rosetta Tharp in 1948? Didn't it rain, 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 children, rain I don't even all know if I know this long. one. Didn't it? It's about the flood, like the great flood. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that you got some good deep cuts and that's in the spirit of james gunn who always goes for not the most obvious song but the deep cut that hits so i have two more and then and oh. when quill realizes when yonder realizes he's been tricked by quill we hear tipitina by professor longhair i know that one that's a good one that's a good one um and then the final song as quill receives his walkman um at the end we hear to close us out wannabe by the spice girls <laughs> Oh, because now we're, we're fast forwarding directly into the 90s. Oh, boy. 